Hello there, Luis Hello. Hey, Kiko. Boo! It's our spooky retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this one. How's it going out over there in your side of the state? Good. Kind of no more smoke or anything for the past couple of weeks, so that's been good. Just the same old COVID stuff, really. Yeah, stay away from that Rona. Yeah, can't really go anywhere, so. <laughs> Anyways, as like I said, this is our new series, and it's uh, all about retrospectives, and it being October and all my favorites, my favorite month besides my birthday month. Um, we're going to start with something, something spooky and probably one of my favorite franchises of all time. Yeah, really excited for this. Resident Evil is one of my favorite game theories of all time, too, and it's just going to be fun to talk about it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What are your earliest memories of Resident Evil? Definitely has to be the very first one, and I remember the like opening video, the really crappily acted full motion video where they're trying to they're escaping into the mansion running away from the zombies or whatever happens i can't remember exactly how it started but i just remember those really crappy full motion videos from the ps1 game they were just so bad no don't go (laughs) ah yes back when we thought the latest in in graphics slash like power of our console is showing full motion video with really crappy as acting. Yeah, that really seemed to be like the gimmick in the mid nineties because you had the Sega CD where like most of the games were just like movies that were in that full motion video style and you just kind of controlled a little bit of what happened. It wasn't even like a game. It was kind of like a choose your own adventure type thing. Yeah. And if you haven't guessed by now, we're going to do pretty much a full retrospective on the main series of Resident Evil. And, um, or if you're in a Japan, uh, Biohazard, which name do you like more, Resident Evil or Biohazard? I like Biohazard. It makes a lot more sense based on the storyline than Resident Evil, but I get why they couldn't call it Biohazard in the U.S. because that kind of does seem a little boring just by itself, Biohazard. Yeah. Which one do you like better? Yeah. Uh, I I like Biohazard more just because it sounds just more like Biohazard, you know, instead of like... But I've, I'm so used to the Resident Evil. We edition. Yeah, that's true without that. That like iconic Resident Evil before every game that they did, like it would be a little weird hearing that voice say Biohazard. It would feel out of place. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm for sure. I'm for sure. Um, I like Biohazard more, but I think I've grown accustomed with Resident Evil. So um, let's begin. Uh, first of all, pretty much, have you ever played any survival horror before? Uh, before like Resident Evil or have you even heard of it? I know you were a little young when the first one came out, but 
I'm sure you played it more when you got a little older. Yeah, no, Resident Evil has to be the first survival horror game and probably the only survival horror game I've really ever played. I can't really think of any others off the top of my head, but just when it comes to genre-defining game, Resident Evil is definitely it. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was this game that pretty much the, the, the creators um, of Resident Evil, they, they played it, I guess it was a 1989 game called Sweet Home. I don't remember much about it, and um, I remember that our uncle Ivan used to have mm-hmm. it on his. Remember that old school Commodore sixty four? Yeah, I never used to play that yeah. Donald Duck game all the time. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, me and Irene, our older cousin, used to play it. But the only thing I remember from that fucking game was that monster chasing after us. So apparently, um, uh, Tokuro Fuji- Fujiwara and Shinji Mikami they uh, pretty much created that game. Um, and they were trying to make it more, uh, the term survival horror wasn't even a term yet for video games back then. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, they were just trying to come up with games. They took elements from that game, Sweet Home. And, um, in 1996, uh, the powers that be, they, uh, they created Resident Evil. Yeah, I'm glad they did, because it really spawned one of the best game franchises of all time, and there's been some downs as of late, but it looks like they've recovered with Resident Evil 7, so I'm glad that the yeah. franchise is kind of trending in a positive light. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, We'll talk about it here in a second, but like, I'm glad that we moved away from uh, the quote-unquote tank controls. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of, like, I don't mind the first-person view, but I don't know why is it with me, like, first-person anything besides, like, Halo. I fucking suck at it. I don't know why. Even though, because, like, I'm a huge Halo fan. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to it when we get to 7. But, so, yeah, in 1996, Resident Evil comes out. And um, it came out originally just for the PlayStation, but obviously it's, it was ported over to a couple different consoles. Yeah, I see. Uh, I see that. Yeah, go ahead. I saw it came out on the Sega Saturn. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not, I don't know if you know, but this was originally going to be on the Nintendo PlayStation. Yeah. The... yeah, I remember Sony and Nintendo had that partnership that didn't last very long. They were originally going to work together and make the PlayStation. That's would have been crazy for history if that happened. Yeah, for sure. Nintendo got um, cold feet and backed out of the deal and went with Philips. And uh, that could we could actually do a retrospective of like bad consoles, but that's not neither here nor there. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, 1996, they came out and pretty much uh, you follow our protagonist Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine who are part of the Stars Bravo team, and they get sent out to these uh, Arclay Mountains that are outside of Raccoon City to investigate what happened to Stars Alpha team. And like you said, in the very beginning, they showed, uh, they went to, they found the helicopter of Alpha team, and they got attacked by something. Uh, sounded like dogs, but it wasn't fully dogs, so they ran into the iconic mansion. Yeah, that's really, like I said, the little videos 
just were not the best acted. And I get, you know, gaming's come a long way when it comes to cutscenes, but man, those were rough. Yeah, for sure. It's it was no it was no bueno. Do you remember anything about the story that kind of that kind of uh popped out in your mind or anything? Uh no, I don't remember too much about the story, honestly. I just mostly remember the gameplay. Talk about the gameplay. What do you remember about it? What do you like about it? What do you dislike yeah, about um, it? Um definitely the clunkiness was the worst part of it. It's hasn't aged well. It's one of those games that's very much of its time where it just in the future like it just did not port over well to future generation consoles. It just it's not that it's bad to play, just really like I said, clunky and rough and takes a lot of getting used to. Yeah, for sure. Actually I actually ended up getting the wrong teams. I guess uh Jill and Chris are alpha team looking for Bravo team. And that's what sets up everything in motion. And obviously, Jill and Chris are uh, company with Albert Wesker and Mr. Barry Burton. Please tell me you uh, remember all those bad lines by Mr. Barry Burton. No, what did he say? You don't remember the iconic Jill. Oh, my goodness. You almost became a Jill sandwich. (laughs) Okay, yeah, and I remember that line. I just didn't know what character it was. Or the even more iconic, here, Jill, take this. You are the master of unlocking, anyways. Yeah, when you get the (laughs) lockpick. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, what else? uh, Do you um, remember what's, like, another, like, iconic? There's two iconic parts that I can think of at the very beginning. Can you think, can you uh, name them? No, what are you thinking of? Okay, the first part is that iconic shot of when you walk into the room with the first zombie and it does that slow-ass turnaround. Yeah, when you see it, it's like bent over eating something and then it turns around for the first time. Okay, I remember that part. Yeah, and then um, this part fucking scared me all the damn time back in the day. And it's when you're walking down that hallway, you pass two windows and then once the camera switches to... Where you're at the very front of the camera and the back is where the windows were, those two dogs jump out. Yeah, okay. I remember that. Yeah, no, that's, like I said, it scared me every time, too. Especially because I was younger when I first played those games. Yeah, so, yeah. For sure, there's um, obviously kind of first of its kind, survival horror, a bunch of jumps and scares going on in there. You know, they had puzzles, you know, looking for keys and shit. And, um was cool about it like i always liked uh having uh two different characters but who did you always pick i always went with uh chris redfield chris Why just because i was a little kid and i was i'm a guy so i always had to pick the male character that's legit that's <laughs> legit me and my friends for some reason we always went with jill I have no idea why. Brendan used to always, my buddy Brendan always used to pick it, pick her, so I always started with her. So pretty much you're going throughout the whole story, um, going through the whole mansion, and you come across different diaries of like what went on in that mansion and everything. It turns out that this mansion is not a regular mansion. It's, it's an underground facility, 
and just like headquarters of like all this testing by this uh, corporation, the Umbrella Corporation. Yeah, that was an interesting twist to the game. I kind of like the story development there and um, really just set up the kind of the ground feel for what the game is going to be. Yeah, so pretty much um, towards the end, you know, you're figuring out that these zombies were created by uh, the Umbrella's T-Virus and that they're working with, like, so they had, like, giant spiders. They had, like, fucking these thing called hunters that were kind of like frog-like type of creatures. Giant snakes and shit. And you found out that there's a double agent in the premises of your alpha team. Yeah, um, definitely, like I said, it's a really good story for the game. And um, even though the cutscenes weren't the best, I think it was really, really played out well. And uh, it was Wesker who turned on them, right? Yeah, he does the heel turn, and he's the one who's been working with Umbrella the whole time. And apparently, it's um, he's uh, this was like a test to see how the Stars team was going to react to these supposedly bioweapons. And they pretty much, he ends up uh, releasing the biggest bioweapon of them all in this game is the Tyrant. Yeah. And, uh, but the Tyrant turns heel on him and supposedly kills him. And so obviously you got to kill the Tyrant and depending on which outcome or who you pick between Jill or Chris, there's some different endings here and there. And, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much just the first, uh, first game. What are your like memories like of it? Um, definitely one memory that jumps to mind is it dying so much because of that survival horror element. It was hard to find herbs, especially the green herbs. You'd always find a bunch of the red and yellow, but you could never find the green ones. But yeah, just the the scarce resource element in the game is the one thing I remember the most. It just made it so hard. Yeah, for sure. Like the thing that I remember about this game was the saving mechanic with the ink blocks. You gotta find that pissed me off so bad because I couldn't like. Not just only do you have to make room in your in your inventory for it, but you gotta like have ink and stuff to just save. So you can you can even find a save room, but sometimes you can't save because you don't have ink. Yeah, and it adds to the survival element of it, just because you have to be thoughtful with your resources you know you just can't save whenever you want you have to think about when you want to save you have to think about when you want to use your ammo or when you just want to just run through all the zombies you know there's so much thought you have to put into the game yeah and then so obviously like i said um it came out for um the playstation but also two versions of it came out besides the original version the director's Mm -hmm. cut and a director's cut that also supported the DualShock control. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I didn't know that two versions of it. I thought there was just the director's yeah, cut. Yeah, I, I know we had the director's cut, so that was the only one I was familiar with. Yeah, same here. And then obviously you said that it was uh, for the Sega Saturn. Yeah. Um, also, there is a Windows version. Yeah, of I'm it. seeing that right now. I did not know it was on the PC. A Game Boy Color version of it. I didn't know that shit. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, that's 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 fucking hilarious. 
And so, but yeah, once it came out, got a pretty good reception. It was getting uh, three to four stars out of five, you know, eight out of ten. So, fair to say, it was a it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good game for its time. Definitely, like I said earlier, haven't aged well, mostly just because of the controls. Um, but besides that, great game. Yeah, for sure, Resident Evil. Um, sold uh, uh, almost 3 million copies, 2.75 million copies. Wow. Um, the director's cut, both versions, the original director's cut and the DualShock version sold an additional 2.3 million. So it was, to pretty say, to, it, it left a mark on the gaming history. Yeah, that's huge. Like, I didn't know the sale numbers were that high. Right? I'm honestly like really impressed. I you know, I know it was a popular franchise, but now I guess it makes sense why it got made into like its its own movie franchise and all that, and all the spinoff games because it was highly successful. Yeah, and get this: so like talks about movies and stuff were pretty much on the table by the time Resident Evil Two came out. So just that's how much of an impact Resi One was that they were already in talks about having having a uh, movie franchise around it. That's crazy, because Resident Evil 2 only came out two years later, so within that time span, they were already working or planning on the movie, which is very little time for a game, for a video game franchise, because really, like, you know, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, Super Mario Bros., like, those games were made into movies, not good movies, but to hear that they're moving so quickly on it, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, so, like you said, like you mentioned, two years later is now 1998. We're riding high off almost almost six million copies of video game franchise or video game sold. So, in development, they made probably my up to that point will be my favorite Resident Evil game, which is Resident Evil Two. Yeah, and Resident Evil Two, you had to play as a my favorite character in the series, Leon. And I would think uh, every, I would say it's everybody's favorite character because Leon is just so, well, I guess you would say he's more badass than four, but this one, he was, he was still pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, it was, like I said, my favorite character in Resident Evil 2 is what made Leon my favorite character. And I, that's what made me so excited about four. Yeah, so aforementioned, um, now with two, we got uh, two new characters, but uh, one's a brand new character. Well, they're both brand new characters, but one is related to somebody from the first game. Her name is Claire Redfield, and obviously we have our rookie cop, uh, Leon. And um, pretty much Resi 2 takes place two months after uh, the first one. So it's supposedly around September of 1998. That's when the second one takes place. And Claire comes in looking for her brother, Chris. And it is Leon's first day on the job. Yeah, and I like how they start this game. Just kind of drop you right into the middle of the turmoil in the city. Definitely a great way to kick it off. You know, just no nonsense. Just straight into it. Yeah, like what was cool about it was I think... This was probably one of my favorite openings in the game where it's like legit uh, 
you're Leon, you meet up with Claire, and you're driving, and then out of nowhere, a big old semi comes in, and boom, you know, you're separated from the mm-hmm. start, fiery, you know, cities going around you, and then you all you hear is the, ooh, the zombies, mm-hmm. so you're already kind of creeped out because of the atmosphere and everything. Yeah, you know, playing number two, you already know what to expect, and they do a good job of just kind of continuing the feeling from the first game, just like you said, immediately dropping you off with the zombies. And it sets up the tone for the rest of the game, which, you know, you already kind of know what to expect after playing the first one. Exactly. So, obviously, kind of like the first one, except I think they took it to even better, was um, they they, – you have two different characters – but uh, what you do to one character affects the other, you know? Yeah, they have the storylines kind of interwined with one another. Yeah, like, so, like, if I pick up something as Leon, I play, or I play first as Leon, and I pick something up, when you ha- you play as Claire to finish up the story, or vice versa, um, it won't be there, you know? Yeah. So that was... That- that's pretty cool, you know the the that the way kind of makes you different ways of to play the game. Yeah, you know the first game was known for like the puzzles and obviously the survival element of the game, and this just expands more on that, making your choices even more important, which means you have to be even more thoughtful than you were in the first game because, like you said, you pick up ammo as Leon, and you get to that point as Claire, and you're running low on ammo. Well, guess what? There's no ammo there waiting for you. Yeah. So, like I said, you get separated in the very beginning between uh, Leon and Claire. They make their way, uh, depending on who you're playing as first, they make their way to the Raccoon Police Department. They discover that pretty much almost the police force is all dead. And um, I must say, when you first walk into that police department, it's pretty creepy. I'm not going to lie. Just that music and how like gothic it feels you know yeah they did a really good job of setting up the environment and like the scenery for the game from the lighting to the like mood of the police department it definitely feels like you're in a zombie survival type movie scenery yeah and so and here's another cool little about um playing as two different characters you um Leon, you get to meet uh, Special Agent Ada Wong. Or, if you're Claire, you end up meeting uh, Sherry Birkin. That I didn't remember. Yeah, so, like, uh, Leon encounters Ada, who's supposedly looking for her boyfriend named John. But she's really uh, an uh, an umbrella researcher from Chicago. So she's there on her own motives. You know, trying Mm -hmm. to get uh, stuff going on. And then uh, Sherry, she uh, can't. I think she's a sci- one of the scientists' daughters, if I remember correctly. And she's somehow like trapped in there. And then so you have to kind of get her to her dad, or she's running away from an. She's running away from a creature. We don't know what it is, and um, but supposedly it killed her father, who was a scientist. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember that part very much because. You know, I was young when the games came out, so I remember bits and pieces, but I, it's been a while since I've played 
played the first couple of games. Yeah. Uh, so in this one, uh, throughout their whole, while you're looking through all the diaries and everything, you come to find out um, there's a new virus called the yeah. G-Virus that's able to uh, mutate humans into quote-unquote ultimate bioweapon. Um, and I guess I would say that this one, that the G-Virus makes everybody more aggressive because um, there's these things called the Lickers who are fucking creepy as hell. And... Yeah, number two introduced the Lickers and those are some of the hardest enemies out of any video game ever. Describe for the audience what is a liquor, and how do you, do you remember how you first encountered? I don't remember. No. All right, describe it, and then I'll I'll let you I'll I'll, I'll uh, see if I can fill in your memory. Yeah, so they're like these weird. I'm trying to think of like, they're like they crawl around and they have like these big long like lizard like tongues and it's really hard to describe like exactly what they are because I can't really compare them to anything but they're just terrifying like think like think that it's a human who has to crawl on all fours they are um pretty much it looks like their skin yeah, off because it, it looks, looks like they're all red like, so they look like their muscles like they like muscles. burn their skin off or something yeah and then like their brain mm-hmm. is sticking out and it, like covers its eyes and like you said it has a lizard like uh, tongue, so yeah, so um, there's this part in the uh, towards the beginning when you're in the in the, the police department, you have to uh, go to a door, but there's a window by the door, and vaguely you see something crawl by really quick, and it freaks you out because you're like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is that? You know, and I remember when I first saw that, um, I was like, uh, no, I don't want to go through there. Game, why are you making me go through there? So you open the door. And it goes down another hall, long corridor, and you start walking forward, and then a cutscene happens, and you see that big old tongue from the bottom up to the ceiling, and he's right there, and that's when you first encounter him, and you gotta fight him. Yeah, and no, like I said, it's definitely one of the hardest enemies in video game history. Like, they are so hard to kill, and they can kill you so fast. It's a pain in the ass whenever you come across one. Yeah, for sure. So, anyways, um, pretty much you also have um, Mr. X, one of uh, G-Virus's special kind of tyrants, because he, he's different from the first tyrant that mm-hmm. we met in Resident Evil 1. In Resident Evil 2, uh, Mr. X is more menacing, and he's going after you, you know? So, that's another difference between the G-Virus and and T-Virus is that, I guess it makes him a little bit more smarter, I would think. Yeah, that's what it seemed like with the with the one that you run into all the time in this one. Yeah, so pretty much uh, that's going around. You're like, again, it's just like the first game. There's puzzles, diaries to immerse you into the world by the police department. You know, um, Anyways, you go with uh, Sherry if you're when you get to Claire's part of the story, you learn that Sherry's mom is the wife of William Birkin. Um, he is the scientist who created the G virus, and um, pretty much 
he attempted to save his work because he kind of knew that Umbrella was going to probably take it from him and he knew what he was doing was bad. He um he tries to uh protect him, protect him, but he ends up getting shot up and stuff. In a last ditch effort, he injects himself with the virus and and he's the creature that's following around Sherry, what she was talking about. The creature didn't kill his dad her dad. Her dad is the creature. How fucked up is that's that? That's a good twist. Like, you know, if you're following the lore of the game, the storyline, reading all the journal entries, to find out that twist that the creature is her dad, and he, you know, that was out of nowhere. Like, I really didn't expect that. Yeah, and so once uh, William, he turns into uh, into a monster. You know, he kills all the people that killed him. So Ada has been sent to uh, retrieve it. Uh, another special agent called Hunk is also sent to retrieve it just in case Ada doesn't work out. And pretty much uh, the final showdown is almost kind of like the first one. You know, you meet up with Claire. Um, they start fighting um, William and just uh, they get out with their skin of their teeth. You know, Ada somehow escapes with with. Um, with a sample mm-hmm. of the G virus. And, um, Hunk also, uh, also, uh, completes his mission, gets part of the G virus as well. Uh, Sherry, Leon, and Claire all leave the city and they vow to, uh, stop Umbrella. And obviously, Claire wants to continue to look for Chris. So that's the second, second game in a nutshell. And um, what do you what what do you think was it better than the first one? Good sequel, bad sequel? Um, I say it's about as good as the first one. They're both on equal quality. They're both really good games. Um, very good sequel. Really, um, can't say really anything bad about it. Story was great. The gameplay, like I said, it's very much of its time. It didn't age well from like a from a hindsight perspective, but for the time, you know, it worked well, matched up similar to the first one. Really, overall, a great game. Yeah, we'll talk about um, the why we keep saying it didn't age well right after uh, Resident Evil 3 we get to it. Because I, I would think Resi, Resi 1 through 3 is pretty much their own versions yeah. of oh, the yeah. game. Um. So as well, this also had a Dual Shock version besides just the Resident Evil Two. Also, did you know that there was a sixty-four port? Yeah, I was. I have heard about that before. That's one that surprised me. I didn't think of Resident Evil as something that Nintendo would want on their console, at least at that ta- at that time. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, like, it's crazy to think that they were able to to uh, not just put all the FMVs and sound everything on on a cartridge, but like you said, at that time, especially at that time, Nintendo was very kid friendly. Yeah, and the sixty four didn't really have many, if any. Well, yeah, it had a couple of. The only one I can think of is um, Conquerors Batford. They had a couple of rated end games, so for there to be a rated end game on the sixty four, it's just rare overall. Yeah. So obviously. As you said, this was probably um, 
probably the best sequel at the time for them and the critical uh critical uh masses were were pretty much on point they were giving it nine out of tens four out of fives pretty much uh it holds an average rating of 93 percent and on metacritic so i mean what more could you want from a sequel great follow-up to a very successful game and really keeps the franchise in a positive light just growing on what they built from the first one and so you know what was pretty cool about this which i'm really pissed off about so like i said resident evil was already in talks with films do you know who they were trying to get i have a director yeah i don't know steven spielberg <laughs> oh yes because he's known for his wonderful zombie movies no they were trying to get the father of zombie flicks george a romero that would have been interesting they got so far that in japan they even filled the commercial for biohazard directed by george a romero i did not know they were that far in advance yeah, like legit, but um, for some reason, I, if I remember correctly, I think they didn't like George's script, so Capcom and the studios pass on them, which sucks because in hindsight, I would rather would have gotten uh, George A. Romero Resident Evil movie than the fucking franchise yeah, that we got. Yeah, I think he would have stayed true to the whole zombie theme instead of making it more of kind of a generic action movie like they trended to after the first one. So, I want you to take a guess. As this being a better received sequel, a highly anticipated sequel, how much money do you think this this thing made? Um, trying to think. I really can't think of a dollar amount that they would have made, but I would assume probably in sales it trying to think, I don't know ten million maybe. You're not that far off. So on the weekend following its release, it sold over three hundred and eighty thousand copies and grossed more than nineteen million dollars. Wow, in one weekend? That's what it said. That's what I. That's what I got from the uh, stuff that I that's was insane. researching. That's really insane. Yeah, for sure, man. That that's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's really that's like, like I said. Like I knew the Resident Evil franchise was big, but I honestly, since I was a kid at the time, did not realize how big it was. Yeah. So, pretty much, this thing smashed every record from Resident Evil One. Obviously, they want uh, Capcom wanted something more and to keep this franchise going. Obviously, but in my opinion, I kind of wish they didn't. They kind of, they kind of should have waited. In my opinion, because by that time, um, the PSX in '98 was already what two, three years old already. Uh, you're coming up to 2000 where new consoles are coming, more hardware, but 
Capcom was like, we want, we need to, or Sony was like, we need another Resi, Resi game now. This thing is just a, it's starting to become fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I get it. And I mean, with the success of the first two games, I see why they wanted to keep capitalizing. I mean, if they're going to sell, if the games are good, they're going to sell. So I might as well keep it going. So pretty much a year later, a year later, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis comes that's out. That's such a short turnaround for what is the AAA game. Like, that's crazy that they just made them boom, 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 one right after the other. Yeah, so this one was a little bit more, um, was more uh, kind of hell in development status more than anything because, like you said, it was a quick turnaround. So what was going on from what I could, uh, gather from my uh, research and some stuff that I've heard too. So don't take me uh, to be, this is all accurate, but this is from what I've researched and what kind of I've learned and heard over the, over the past couple of weeks when, when we came up with this topic was that, so pretty much they asked mm-hmm. for Resident Evil three. They're like, okay, we can give it to you. Give us, you know, maybe another two years. No, we need it to come out now. Sony was like, we need to come out now, man, because uh, we just needed to come out. Uh, we need to keep making money on this thing. This thing's a cash cow and blah, blah. And Capcom's like, but you're having new hardware coming out just next, you know, in 2000. Let me let us yeah. play with that for a little bit. And they're like, uh, whatever. You guys can do whatever you guys want. Let us know when you're done with the game. So pretty much they started um, – working on this first 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 version of the Resident Evil 3 that ended up kind of being a uh, little bit too um too uh I guess too powerful for the um, game consoles at the time so that ended up getting put on the shelf and then obviously turned into Code Veronica yeah. which came out on the Dreamcast but they also had storyboards of another story uh that cuz obviously Code Veronica is with Claire and Chris Redfield, but they still had another story with um, uh, Jill Valentine, the protagonist from the first one. And they needed something boom, boom, quick. So they're like, all right, let's just put it on the same engine as two and we can get it out on the PSX, you know, as quick as possible. And that's what ended up happening. That's really interesting. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, so... Pretty much, like I said, it's um, you're following the protagonist of the first game, Jill Valentine, and it's a kind of like a prequel in between and yeah, sequel. That's one thing way. I remember that this game takes place like I think it's like a day or something like that before the events of the second game or something like that. Correct. Yeah, like the very big, like the first parts of the game is 24 hours before, so a day before. Resident Evil 2, and then there's a part during the game where it's during Resident Evil 2, and then obviously the ending of the game is what mm-hmm. happens after Resident Evil 2. So pretty much, um, yeah, you're, uh, you're Jill Valentine, you're now, you're looking and watching um, it's in hearing uh, Raccoon City just go to shit, you know, you keep seeing all these, and hearing about all these attacks of these cannibals, and stuff, so you want to get the fuck out of here. So you're out. Of, you're you're trying to make your way out of Raccoon City, but then 
another bioweapon comes, and this time it is specifically made to take out all of stars, and this thing is called Nemesis. This is one of the most famous villains from the series, you know, it's right up there with the liquors in terms of notoriety online and within the game community, and really one of the hardest bosses in any game is the Nemesis. Yeah, I don't know why Jill just didn't put a restraining order. She's a cop. She could have put a restraining order on that fucking nemesis. He had to stay away 100 feet. I swear to God. Yeah, it was only that easy. But, like, he's... Right? Like, But like you said, he is probably one of the most iconic bad guys in the Resident Evil franchise. He's actually, like, been in, like, different games. I think he's been in, like, both... Either in one or two Marvel vs. Capcom series, one of the one of those games. Really, I didn't know that because I haven't really played any of the later ones, so that's interesting to hear. Uh, yeah, because I think he's—I don't know if he's in Infinite, but I know for sure hmm. that he's in three. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, the second movie of of the Resident Evil game or yeah. The Resident Evil franchise, movie franchise, he was specifically in yeah. that movie yeah, because I he was so that. damn popular. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, you're just trying to make your way out. And on your way out of Raccoon City, you meet up with a couple of these uh, Umbrella Biohazard Countermeasure Service, or UBCS, which is Car- Carlos Oliveira. Mikhail Victor and Nikolai Zinoviev. I should learn how to say that name. He's fucking <laughs> Russian. We're Russian. I should. We should know how to say that name. Anyway, so they're also they've been kind of uh, they've been kind of like let for dead because uh, I think they went to go help out. Uh, they were in a helicopter, and I think they went to go help out um, some civilians, obviously, and then their driver ditched them. But there's something fishy about this Nikolai guy. And that's because he's a former <laughs> Ruski. Um, so you kind of you come to find out that Nikolai is uh, trying to get shit back for Umbrella. Yeah, it again, all goes obviously. back to Umbrella every game. Yeah. And so pretty much uh, what happens during Resident Evil 2 is when uh, Jill and Carlos and Nikolai all trying to uh, are trying to get away. Um, they're running from a horde. I think I think if they're I think if I remember correctly, they're running from a horde, and a nemesis yeah, comes yeah. out of nowhere. And uh, Mika Mikael tries to uh, sacrifice. Well, he sacrifices himself with a grenade. Uh, Nikolai is nowhere to be found. Jill is uh, badly hurt. And Carlos has to make his way towards the hospital to get some stuff to help Jill. So pretty much uh, you're Carlos now and you got to um, this, I think, was the first game where you didn't pick your protagonist. You start as Jill and then you move to Chris. Or I mean, to Carlos. While yeah, Jill's yeah. And I remember that, that, like you said, you don't get a pick. You just kind of have the segments for the different characters that you get to play as. Yeah, so pretty much, obviously, same gist as uh, as Jill. You got Nemesis coming after you. I'm assuming because he smells the scent of Jill on you. Because this is kind of like a plot hole. Because Carlos isn't stars; he's umbrella. Yeah, honestly, I hadn't. 
thought about that until now, but yeah, Nemesis was designed to hunt down STARS members, not the UBCS people, so kind of kind of a little plot hole they didn't think of there. Yeah. So, pretty much, um, not to get, I don't want to spoil everything, that's why I'm kind of running quickly through the plot so everybody can play it and find out, because every game has, like, couple different endings because the way you play what you pick up what you don't pick up but pretty much uh, you find out that Nikolai pretty much is kind of like a double agent um, you end up obviously getting uh, getting him killed you find out during all this that Umbrella plans to nuke the city uh, our old pal Barry Burton uh, he's um he has somehow has a helicopter, comes and saves Jill and Carlos, and pretty much you see Raccoon City just go kaboom. Yeah, no, I see a, a good ending, a good way to set up the future of the franchise to not have to revolve around Raccoon City, and a great way to kind of just end the city, really. Just kind of wipe the slate clean and be like, all right, we're going to go somewhere else for the next game. Well, I mean, like, I think, I think they kind of had to go there because it's like, what else could have they, what else could have they done within this? Yeah, that's location, true. You, you know? can only make so many games based in the same place, and without it being too repetitive, and you know, you've gone through the mansion and the underground facility in the first one, kind of the same areas in the second and third. It's just all right, time to move on. Let's go somewhere new. Yeah, and. Surprisingly, this was also uh, was very well received. Uh, pretty much nines throughout the board. Yeah, no, they when the original four, four, five, whatever you want to say is kind of the original run. They never really made a bad game in terms of reception, just overall how the game is. You know, they are great games. Like whether you like them or not, over like from a general perspective, they're just good games. Like, you know, they're like the Mario games. Like, even if you don't like them, they're good games. Yeah. So, pretty much, um, this was the last, last game on the PlayStation. I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, you could have done any more with that engine. I mean, like the reason why I was saying that one through three, it's its own thing was because everything's pre-rendered. You know, we had the tank controls, which was, I mean, talk about the yeah, tank controls. Um, I mean, like that hasn't, yeah, it hasn't aged well. And they're just clunky. You know, you had to stop, point the laser, shoot, stop, point the laser, shoot, which, you know, did add to the horror and survival element of it. But for a zombie game, it could have been a lot smoother. I get it. It's not a first-person shooter, so it just can't be like you know, like the shooters of the time where you can just run up and shoot people, run and gun. I get why they did they they went the control that they did because it, like I said, it added to the horror element, added to the survivor element. But just with time and as controller schemes have improved so much, the controllers have just not aged well. Yeah, it was. And I think people were kind of done with the pre-rendered and, like, they wanted, like, an engine game, you know, just to show up. I think just that the P3 
PS one and the sixty four just weren't really really capable to like produce. Yeah, you know, like you said, anything. number three came out really close to the new generation of console for that era. And I mean the Dreamcast was already out, which was light years ahead of the PS one and sixty four and kind of ushered in the new generation. So for them to kind of use the, even by then, by that standard, outdated engine for the time and still get a, get a get game out of it was really impressive. Yeah, so pretty much uh, Resident Evil 3 pretty much uh, sold a little bit less than, um, than Resident Evil 2. I couldn't get an exact figure, but units... They sold over 3.5 million units in total. One million in the first couple months, you know, mm-hmm. so that's still outrageously numbers, you know. So now we move on towards pretty much new, new, uh, new consoles. Uh, you could say you uh, go into the, we'll skip over a little bit, we'll skim over Code Veronica. That technically isn't part of the main timeline. I don't consider it because mm-hmm. it's kind of like a side adventure, but you do learn about a lot, a lot about it, about like umbrella yeah, and it's stuff. It's good for if you're into the lore of the game, but it's not like you said, it's not a mainline game, and it really didn't have too much to do with number three or number four. Yeah, so pretty much, uh, quick, just a quick squim through. Uh, uh, Claire acts, goes to an island, I think, if I remember correctly, because she's heard that Chris is there. And pretty much you learn a lot of secrets and stuff about... I actually never played it, so I, I'm going on for what I've seen people talk about it and read. Is uh, pretty much, you know, there's a lot of shit that they find about, uh, the like you said, the lore of like where the T-virus and all this shit comes from. But the big thing I want to talk about is pretty much the graphical upgrade mm-hmm. that these, that this game got compared to the original. Yeah, three. this was in full three D graphics, wasn't it? Yep, this is on the Dreamcast, which was obviously made. And just thinking about it, Sega always was a step behind. They made the Genesis to beat Nintendo, but the regular Nintendo or the original Nintendo, I should say. And then they made the Dreamcast specifically to beat the PlayStation, but not knowing that the PS2 was yeah, going to come, come out. Kind of say classic Sega mismanagement that led to them exiting the hardware market, just not really paying attention to the trends, not understanding the market outside of Japan. They, like you said, made a console trying to beat the PlayStation. They didn't think of head was going to come out with the PlayStation 2. And obviously the big one that ended up killing it was the lack of DVD capabilities. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this was pretty much full motion 3D, uh, big, but I mean, still big, oh, yeah, big upgrade oh, yeah. from the PlayStation. You know, you're seeing you're seeing in game graphics now as your cutscenes, you know, and I was, I mean, that's pretty cool, especially back then. Um, this it's still a little bit, uh, not pre rendered, but I mean, it still has a fixed camera, so but I mean, like, everything's just been upgraded more, and besides the very 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 complicated story because i mean this one i think out of all the resident evil games maybe besides the seventh one this one is like the story is way out there and takes twists yeah, i haven't really played this one so i'm not too familiar with it but that's really interesting to hear because 
I don't want to say most of the games are linear because they're not, but like there's definitely not too much depth to the story. Yeah, so for sure, for sure. And I think this was the last game in that fixed angle type of game because now uh, when in, uh, when did uh, Code Veronica came out, came out in 2000? So Code Veronica came out in 2000. 99 was Resident Evil 3. People were kind of clamoring for this Resi franchise to come back in full swing. What's going on? It's five years. It's 2005. Um, we're seeing our consoles be as powerful as ever with the GameCube and Xbox and PS2. And this little gem of a game comes out called Resident Evil 4, originally a Nintendo GameCube exclusive. And it, it revolution, and I mean, not just revolutionizes the Resident Evil franchise, but it revolutionized the gaming industry as in a way of Setting, setting trends. Yeah, no, Resident Evil 4, just from a critical standpoint, is one of those once-in-a-generation games where, not just game of the year, but possibly a game of the generation, where it's just so good, received universal praise from pretty much every review source, and really kind of kick-started what people thought Resident Evil and the next generation was going to be. And yeah, just Honestly, don't want to say too much yet before we go into it, but just such a great game that I can't really think of many other games that live up to it in terms of quality. Yeah, and and by what I mean about revolutionizing the gaming industry, think about where we were in 2005. Not many first-person shooters were still, they were still coming. Not many third-person shooters were out there. Not many over-the-shoulder camera games were out there. But once this hit, it pretty much set the standard of, okay, so pretty much shooters, if you're not in first person, over-the-shoulder is going to be. Because look at Gears of War. Look at Uncharted. You know, games like that. Where did that inspiration of the camera and everything come from? Yeah, and it also played a big influence into, like, the art style that you'd see in the next couple of years. You had that, like, kind of dark and brown, gray, dreary art style where everything's dark and, you know, there's not a lot of colors and it looks, I don't want to say apocalyptic, but it looks kind of, you know, like I guess run down would be the best way to say it. And you see that a lot in the future because you mentioned Gear War, Gears of War, that's another game that had that same art style. Fallout 3 had a similar, like, color and art. And it really, like you said, revolutionized the game and brought trends that, you know, we still see in games today. Yeah, and like, um, I'll go into the developmental hell that this was in. So pretty much, um, this game, the reason why it took out so long, because Capcom didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do with the, with the franchise. They made, like, three different versions of the game. Have you seen any of the test products? No, I really uh, don't know too much about the development of the game. Okay, so, get this. Obviously, they want to make... They want to make... They want to make a sequel to, to Resident Evil 3. So, Shinji Mikami, who's pretty much the director on almost all these games, 
he starts coming out with shit that's like so left field and it's like is this really a Resident Evil game? He's talking about combos and fucking huh. hack and slash and shit like that. Which Capcom was like, dude, this isn't Resident Evil, man. He's like, all right, fuck it. We'll make this into our own game. And guess what game that was? Devil May Cry. And that's how Devil well, May Cry was that They born. made it its own franchise. Because I like the Devil May Cry games, but that would not have been a good Resident Evil 4. Yeah, everybody was like, this isn't... Like, we don't mind some tonal shifts, but like, yeah, this isn't Resident Evil. Because like... Imagine, imagine Leon fucking doing what yeah, Dante you went from does in that game. Fighting <laughs> zombies to all of a sudden fighting demons and crazy hack and slash combos like that. It'd be way out of place for the franchise. Oh, I mean, you could you could work yourself in there. Umbrella <laughs> opens up a port of hell, brings doom, <laughs> brings doom guy with him. You know, try to kill demons. Fuck it, I don't give a fuck. So. They make that its own franchise in its own game. Then they make another version. This you can look up. Um, there's been a lot of, um, and I guess I think this was shown at E3 2003, three or four, I think. And it's um, obviously it shows glimpse of what Resident Evil Four would become, which is Leon. Um, obviously, we get to find out that Leon's the protagonist. Uh, the over-the-shoulder camera, we find that out. But obviously, this game is still a little different from Resident Evil, as in, it looks like you're walking around this castle, but it's haunted because you see, like, shit move by itself. You see, like, the spirit, you know, kind of takes you over for a little bit. Still not what they want Resident Evil to be, but it still looked phenomenal because I would have fucking played that, and it looks scary as hell. Yeah, no, I'll have to look into this because I really don't know anything about any of the footage from pre-release or any of the development. Yeah, so pretty much that's what it was. And then the third version of the game is the game that we got. This was also part of an exclusive exclusivity deal that um that uh Capcom had with Nintendo. Yeah, that and um it was I think uh like it's supposed to be like five games that were specifically made for the GameCube. Um I'm not 100% sure if the both... No, yes. So it's Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 0, uh, Resident Evil uh, Remake, and then Beautiful Joe. I can't remember what the fifth game was. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Let me look it up real quick, because that's going to fucking piss me off. Alright, what are the Capcom 5? The only other game I can think of would be Super Monkey Ball. I don't think that's it. Okay, so US, the the five games were... I have no idea what PM03 is. Uh, Yeah, Beautiful Joe. Uh, Shoot 'em up called Death What the fuck is that? Resident Evil 4. And Killer 7. So I guess it didn't include any hmm. of the Resident Evil stuff. Huh. Interesting. But yes, it was part of the the Capcom 5, which is pretty much um, exclusivity to the GameCube. 
another surprise yeah Nintendo really wanted this. kind of out of left field for me because I always associated Resident Evil with the PlayStation so I'd always thought oh there's going to be a next gen for at least for that time a next gen Resident Evil would be on the PS2 but on the GameCube really interesting shift from Nintendo considering when people think GameCube they're probably thinking of the Mario games they're thinking of Zelda not Resident Evil Yeah, so, yeah, super, super weird. Anyways, also what they uh, revolutionized, and it was a little helped by God of War as well, is quick time events. Yeah, no, this game definitely had a good amount of quick time events. I think the very first one was you running away from the boulder very early in the game, and really interesting uh, introduction for the franchise. Well, yeah, I think somebody was watching too many Indiana Jones movies in. They're like, we want this yeah. game. How do we do it? Um, but yeah, uh, this was the first game. We didn't have a PS2 growing up, so I didn't know about QuickTime events. But it was the first game where you couldn't really put down the controller during cutscenes because you didn't know, like you said, you don't know when you had to press a button or something. And at the time, QuickTime events were Yeah, no, they cool. definitely got I mean, overused after this generation of games. But at the time, it was... It was pretty original, pretty interesting to have in a game. Yep. So, let's get into the story about this fabulous game. Uh, pretty much, uh, the events after Resi 3, you come to ter- learn that pretty much the U.S. government found out what the fuck Umbrella's doing and kind of pretty much shut him down. Um, somehow, our boy, Leon... He has become a U.S. government agent in um, one of his first solo missions, and which is still, I don't understand why, the president sends him out to go rescue yeah, his daughter. Yeah, you think something that they'd have like a team of like Secret Service members or, you know, mercenaries or something to do, but no, instead so they just send Leon by himself, one-man job, apparently. Or no. You know what? I just thought of it. I think this is like maybe a different timeline in our history. Maybe our president, that president was Trump, you know, and she had to send out, he was sent out one person <laughs> for Ivanka, you know? I mean, he doesn't give a shit about Baron anyway. So, I mean, like Ivanka, like, ah, just send, send who's our best agent? Send him. He will big. Yeah, no, big. I could definitely see Trump. If one of his kids got kidnapped being just like, oh, yeah, just send that one guy. Who cares? Actually, no, not Ivanka, because he wants to sleep with Ivanka. Um, what's what's his other daughter that he Tiffany, hates? Tiffany, yeah. doesn't even talk about. Oh, Tiffany. Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, she'd be the one to be like, ah, I don't give a shit, you know? Oh, no, this would be it. This would be it. He'd be like, I don't like my daughters to get captured, just like my PO, just like my veterans. They don't get captured. They win huge. So if she wants to get saved, just send one agent out there. Yeah, no, that, that definitely had happened in real life if we had the current president in the game. Yeah, so pretty much, um, apparently, she's been spotted out in España, Spain, out of all places. Yeah, really random village. location for the game, but, you know, their first game outside of Raccoon City, so it's interesting to see where they take it. And this is, like, one of the few games where I was, like, really impressed because I knew the language of what was being yeah, said. Yeah, no, the, I don't want to call them zombies, I'm not exactly sure what to call them. Just because, uh, you know, you'll find out later that these aren't exactly the same zombies you've seen in the previous games. But hearing them speak Spanish 
we grew up speaking Spanish, so we know it and just they actually, you know, used proper Spanish, not just random gibberish that was translated and that was cool to see. Yeah, so pretty much what you can call them is what we've kind of accepted is uh Los Illuminados. Yeah, because uh what they are in this game, they're not zombies, like I said. They're like a controlled by a cult through a virus or a parasite or something like that. Yes, you are very close. They are controlled. They are a cult, but um, they're, they're getting controlled yeah, by a parasite. Yeah, that's what it was, a parasite. Yeah, so pretty much you go in there, um, you start looking around. But this time, like I said, full 3D world. And GameCube at the time was, I think, I mean, like, obviously the hardware isn't the same. But in my eyes, it was just as powerful, if just a little weaker than the Xbox. More powerful than the PS2. So the graphics were fucking phenomenal. And you're just going into this city, into this village. And you walk up. And like you said, these aren't zombies. These things can think for themselves. You know, you aim your gun at the first first uh, Luminado, and he ducks, you know, because they know what they're doing. You know what they're doing against him. You're going to shoot him. So that was fucking yeah, crazy at the time. Yeah, the introduction, they do a really good job of setting the mood for the game. Um, like you said, the, thumb, or the cult member ducks, and you see that, okay, like you said, it's not zombies. They have free will. They can sink, and you know that's going to make it a little different for how you approach the game compared to how you would have in the previous ones. Yeah. And then um, for some reason you're in the game, Um, (laughs) Mr. Luis Serra is in there. You meet up with him and uh, you find out that he's a former uh, Illuminados, uh, I guess, uh, scientist or something. And he pretty much tells you what this thing is, what it does. You find out, like like we said, it's a parasite, takes over your mind. And some guy named Sadler is the one who's pretty much behind all this because he wants to infect the world. And um, pretty much you go from the village, you go to the castle. Um, and what was really cool about this game is, like I said, you go from the village, castle, and then like an army uh, encampment. And it's pretty cool because each area has its own yeah, style. Yeah, no, they did a really good you know? job for the world design in this game. Um, whether you're at the early in the village, you're at the church, half like in the I don't want to say the midpoint, but like kind of past the village, then you get to the castle, and really each part has its own, like you said, little unique feel design. And they do a good job of incorporating the game um, elements like the puzzles, the boss fights the zombie or not zombie encounters but the cult encounters into the into the world you're in and even you know they find a way to make troll a giant troll battle seem valid within the game yeah so we'll get into the enemies in a second um yeah pretty much you go in uh after the village you know you still learn more about what their plan is like i said sadler wants to control the world now you're in a fucking castle with fucking um, Napoleon in there. And he tries <laughs> to, uh, I guess he's like a general for Sadler. You go up against him, you kill him. Then you end up uh, pretty much, before, before all that, you end up with pretty much something that I guess you could knock for the game. 
but it wasn't too bad. You ended up rescuing Ashley midway through the game, and now you have to kind of take care of her as well. Yeah, the sequences with her where you have to guide her through, it's you know, it's a great game and I like it, but it's definitely the worst part of the game. She's, AI at the time in video games wasn't really the best, and Ashley AI is some of the worst I've seen. Oh, the, it gets worse, and it's in this franchise. It gets worse. But I don't think she's that bad, personally. I don't think she's... I mean, because I'm replaying it again on my on the Switch. And um, I, it was, it's not as bad as, uh, uh, as I thought it was. It's just, I fucking hate taking care of something that I can't control. Yeah, especially someone who can't fight back, who can't do anything. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's just like having like a pet quest or something like that. You know, they don't really contribute anything. They're just there to make the game a little harder. Yeah, so pretty much... Um... After the castle, she uh, she ends up getting kidnapped by uh, surprise. I think Russo's booking this. Albert Wesker has come back. Yeah, nice little throwback to Wesker. You don't really know what had happened to him, and you know, kind of bringing in the story from the past games into the into the new game. So kind of crazy twist out of nowhere. We saw there are swerves, and then there are swerves. And we have just been swerved. You got swerved, bro. For sure. I mean, like, because um, if you didn't play Code Veronica like I did, because he's because Albert it makes an appearance there. Oh, as well. I didn't know that. Um, yes, he does. Uh, I didn't know about Wesker fucking coming back. So when he came back, as I was like, dude, you got fucking killed by that tyrant in the first game. How the hell? What is going on? So, um, pretty much you learn that Albert. Wesker has um, hired two people. Somebody who is in Leon's history. Well, they're both in Leon's history, just in different ways. The first person is our girl Ada Wong. She makes she makes a comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, and a guy named Jack Krauser. Yeah, yeah. So Ada Wong, her little introduction in the game, kind of another good throwback to the second game where Leon was in, and then. Like how they made a game mode where you got to play as her, kind of get more storyline to see what she does in between her scenes in the game and how that intertwines with the story. And then yes. Jack Crowther, interesting character. Um, you know, Just wish we'd seen a little bit more of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of, he, he hasn't not in the game for very long, and you do fight him at the boss battle, but besides that, you really can't say too much about him. Yeah, he, he has an interesting backstory. It's like a Winter Soldier kind of backstory because he's your former, like, buddy and you believe him to be dead through, like, I think if I remember he said a helicopter crash I or think something. so, yeah. Yeah, and then so um, he comes back because he thinks it's all Leon's fault of why that happened to him. So, yeah, it would have been in- more interesting to see what happened. But anyways, pretty much... Uh, we get another Russo swerve. Ada Wong is not working for uh, Albert Wesker. She's working for her own people. She ends up taking some information about Las Plagas. And uh, pretty much uh, Albert is pissed off. Um, obviously, Leon, he confronts Sadler. He saves, uh, saves Ashley with Ada's help. And pretty much they escape in a really badass jet ski. 
sequence. Yeah, that was. And that is the that Resi Four. That end scene where they're just riding off on the jet ski that always makes me laugh just because you have this. You know, it's not. I don't want to say it's a survival horror game because there are some action elements to it. And there's not much of a survival element to it, just because you know resources are plentiful in this game. But just the ending just felt like something out of an '80s action movie, and just felt so out of place compared to the rest of the game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it was. It, I mean, but like, let's talk about it for sure. That I think this reason, the reason why this game stands out because it has has everything. It has. The creepy moments. It has the new direction of action stuff going with behind the shoulder type of stuff, and then obviously the dialogue and the cheesiness of fucking Leon's one-liners. Yeah, from for um in terms of the game, how they branched out into this new type of Resident Evil, it really takes all the good elements out of the previous games, wraps them up in a brand new package, and gives you a brand new revolutionary game that really just blew everything before it out of the water and it's such a good game i honestly can't think of i can't really think of any other game in this in the franchise that lives up to this one yes so obviously nines and tens across the field and 2005 was not uh a slow year for gaming if you want to uh if you want to uh, put it that way, we had the first God of War. We had Shadow of the Colossus, Kingdom Hearts 2 as like the big games. Um, and pretty much it it won game of the year beating those games. Maybe Shadow of the Colossus won here or there, but it literally beat out all those games for game of the year in most publications. Yeah, like we said before, like this game once in a generation game universal praise I mean I'm sure most people have at least played some of it if they haven't beat it it's just one of those games that transcends the industry and really just is a work of art yeah and then obviously Capcom was like we need to ride this horse as long as we can and not only because of that but this thing was just fucking crazy, but obviously Nintendo, their platform wasn't that big. They were pretty much third place throughout that whole generation. So here we go with the ports. It was first ported over to the PS2. Yeah, this game has been ported over so many times, it's been on so many consoles, and I'm glad that it has because people needed the opportunity to play it. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. So the PS2 version had, I think, the Ada Wong missions that you're yep, talking about. Yeah, that was and a bonus had, content included. Yeah, it had some other thing, too. I can't remember. I think it was the Mercenaries. Yeah, because all the content... I've, I haven't played the PS2 version, but I've played the Wii version. And all the content yeah. that was on that was just the P, from the PS2 version. Yeah, so it came up with a bunch of goodies on there to get it. And then the PC port had the same thing, just with updated visuals. And then, in my opinion, in 2007, it came in with the best port on there of this game. Nothing will beat it because, for some goddamn reason, the Wii controllers on that thing just sync up so good. Yeah, I don't know how they 
made it perfect, but the Wii version is by far the best version of the game. Like like you said, the controllers sync up perfectly. It it's just so smooth to play it on the Wii. I don't know how they did it, but they just took a great game and somehow made it better. Yeah. And then obviously once the PS3 and 360 came out, they ported it over there, which were inferior. They just really kind of just updated the visuals. That's it. And then obviously they put it out for the PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch, which I think they actually upgraded it to actually make it run at 60 frames per second and all that good jazz. Yeah, all the future ports after the Wii one were pretty much just graphic improvements for the more powerful consoles of that era and then the powerful consoles of this generation really not too much changes so get this the gamecube version sold over 320,000 copies in its first 20 days in north america that's really impressive especially when you consider that the gamecube had such a smaller player base and it was considered the more kid-friendly console So for a hardcore game like this, you know, quote-unquote hardcore gaming game like this to sell so well on what is considered a casual console is impressive. The European release sold over 200,000 copies by the end of the first month. Wow. And then by January 31st of 2006, 3 million copies were sold between both GameCube and PS2 version worldwide. Yeah, I just this game is a juggernaut in terms of sales. Like I really can't imagine that this didn't sell well. Yeah, and and including all the ports between from the original GameCube release all the way up to the current generation release, this game has sold over ten point two million copies across pretty much all worldwide. That's just absolutely insane. Like Capcom had to have made so much money off of this because I can't imagine it being too expensive to port them over to the future consoles and it had to have so well on those. Just, it's really a masterpiece. Yes, so pretty much the second most uh, Resident Evil games um, pretty much uh, sold and money made all that good jazz. Second only to Resident Evil 2. That's surprising. I thought 4 would have sold more. I know. Me too. I would have thought so, especially with all the ports. But I think because... I think... I don't know. I'm just... I'm assuming that maybe because not a lot of people... I mean, I guess the big thing about 4 that we could pretty much um, come to agree with this kind of split the fans. You had the survival horror purists and then you had the people who loved over the shoulder camera yeah no there definitely was some controversy within the resident evil fan base on the direction the franchise were taking with this one because like i said there was less of that survival horror element there was some horror elements to the game but a lot less of the survival with mo being easy to find the healing the first aid sprays and the herbs being easy to find it really took the game into a yeah, new direction and- and I think as me as a fan played the original train controls and then played the uh, now the remake for two and three, I can't go back to the originals, man. I, I have to have that over the shoulder camera that I get in the remakes for two and three. Yeah, 
So I'm part of the over the shoulder peak camp. Yeah, no, me too. Like I like I said, like the first three games I liked playing when they came out, but I just can't play them now because of the because of the controllers. Yeah, and that transition they made into the new over the shoulder controller scheme for this game. Like I said, it's what I like yeah. a lot about the game. And then, pretty much, we can uh, go with, obviously, Capcom was like, we made some gangbusters. Let's keep this train rolling. Yeah. And and uh, I think it was just about a year after the fourth one came in 2005, Capcom announced that they are going to make Resident Evil 5. And but it's gonna be for the new console generation, so we're gonna have to wait. Yeah, RE five. Um, remember being pretty hyped for it after number four, but I don't know about you, but to me, it was a little disappointing. Yeah, so I was obviously was riding high on that uh, Resident Evil train. And I could not get enough of Game Informers any sneak peeks or game trailer sneak peeks or screw attack sneak peeks of Resident Evil Five. I was fucking like I was like, I'm ready, let's do this. But every screenshot or every video was showing uh daylight, was showing more action, was talking about more co op. And I'm like, What uh what's going on? I don't I don't like where this is going. But I put my goggles on. I'm like, no, I'm excited for this game. Midnight comes in for um, for um, in March of 2009. I'm in line. I grab it. I play it. And I play about 30 minutes of it. And I'm like, uh, I don't know where yeah, this is just, going. You know, even early in the game, you can tell it's a much different feel from Resident Evil 4. And they lean a lot more into the action elements of Resident Evil 4 rather than the horror and zombie, or I guess cult for that game, elements. And it's really more of a generic action game than it is a Resident Evil game. It just happens to have zombie-like creatures in it. Yeah, I mean, like... Ah, I can't... I guess at the time I wasn't disappointed just because I wanted Resident Evil 5. And even then, so think about it. Resident Evil 4 came out in 2004. It's now 2009. Both games take play. I mean, the game-wise, plot-wise, I mean, uh, and time-wise in real life, uh, they both take place five years after 4. But the controls are starting to feel a little bit outdated. I personally don't mind it because I'm not. I don't complain that much. I don't need running gun all the time. Um, but people were already complaining that the stop and shoot mechanics was already outdated. Um, they were saying, "What the fuck is going on? This is not Resident Evil." Because they're like you said, I don't think there's any scares in this no, game. No, it's really like more of an action game. It has a lot of action elements. There's really nothing scary about it, and. Like you mentioned earlier, like it was daylight, and it takes place in. Uh, I want to say it's supposed to be Africa, isn't it? Yeah, it's in some Africa, um, uh, some African village. Um, so pretty much, Chris is now our protagonist. 
He is working for the BSAA, which stands for the Bioterrorism Security Assessment Alliance. And um, he is dispatched to deal with the Kaijuju in Africa. And we meet the bane of my existence of that fucking game. The stupidest most. I don't get why we have this person in the game. Is yeah, Shiva. Um, as a character, she's not too bad. But in terms of the gameplay, it's so unnecessary to have her. If they let you switch between playing as them at different points in the story, that would have been fine. But this co-op where you're tied to the other person, and even if you're playing one single player, it's a AI co-op. And I know I said Ashley and Resident Evil 4 was the worst AI I've ever seen, but then I remember how bad the Shiva AI was in Resident Evil 5, and that's by far even worse than the Resident Evil 4 one. Yes, yes. I don't... Okay, I guess you can't You can blame Catcom for it, because at the time, what were the big things about that generation of consoles? Yeah. Multiplayer. You had, you had your Halos, you had your Call of Duties, you had your Gears... You had um, uh, online gaming presence with sports games. You know, it was... You couldn't blame them. For fuck's sake, Bioshock 2 had a fucking multiplayer thrown into it. Yeah, that's very true. Multiplayer was huge at the time, but there was still a good a good amount of... I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, like a good amount of people who played games mostly for the campaign over multiplayer and I feel like they could have done a multiplayer aspect of it while still keeping the single player and making the single player a lot better than it was just because like I said being tied to Shiva kind of is what brought down the game quite a bit if you had play, if there were like sections where you play it switch between Chris and switch between Shiva that would have been fine but just being tied to her as the fake co-op with the AI is just so bad. I mean, like, the thing about 5 is just that, like, I can't even talk about the story because the story is another convoluted mess that, like, I can't, like, so pretty much you, you're Chris, you're the BSA, you met with Shiva, you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on because um, there's this type of uh, uh, people going on that they're, and I like that they mentioned Resident Evil 4. They mentioned Las Plagas all the time or in the Leon, or I mean, in the Kennedy reports, you know, so that's pretty cool. But, you know, um, I can't remember what the fuckers were called anyways. I'm going to just call them uh, Las Plagas uh, African version. Um, you've come to find out that your ex-partner Jill has been missing and Oh, big twist here that we couldn't see that the mystery person that's been attacking you or whatever has been in these cutscenes is fucking Jill under mind control. Yeah, honestly, I didn't get too far into the story for this one just because I wasn't a big fan of the game, but that just sounds so disappointing for the story. Like, I get that there's they're trying to bring back previous characters and kind of tie in storylines from the past games into it, but that just sounds lazy, you know, with it being Jill under mind control. Yeah, and um, obviously the person who's behind all this shit is Mr. Wesker. He, you confront him throughout the game and shit, and um, like the ending is so over the top. You're fighting like I think if I remember correctly, 
at the end you're fighting in a volcano or yeah, close to I've it. Yeah, I've seen clips of that. And the way to beat the game is, yeah, the way to beat the game is you gotta punch a fucking like yeah. big ass boulder. It's a quick time event too. The fall. Yeah, and I think it has to fall on Wesker or something like that. But yeah, it's it's not. Just talking about it, dude. This it pisses me off. Like, like people say six is the worst. We'll get into it when it, in a little bit. But I think this is uh, the worst. yeah. I think six. You know, I've played a little bit of it and I've seen clips of it, and I think it's worse than five. But this is kind of where you see some of the trends that you see in six start to form, and just really reminds me more of a bad action movie than anything else. Like you said, punching the boulder. It's just so ridiculous. Like, am I watch, am I playing Resident Evil, or if I'm watching some like Vin Diesel Fast and the Furious knockoff movie? Yeah, and it doesn't help. It doesn't help that fucking uh, Chris Redfield. Speaking of Vin Diesel, is roided up to like yeah, another. Yeah, it's kind of the whole look at the time. Kind of you saw like in Gears of War with how big all those guys were. Kind of something you started seeing in gaming around that time. So, here comes a question, especially for the, for this type of era. Were you in the camp of that Resident Evil 5? It's a racist game. No, I think people just were looking to be outraged on that. Because I remember seeing some of that where people were complaining that you were shooting black zombies. But you realize, like, the game takes place in Africa. Like, you know, they're going to be black just because it's... It's Africa, and you know, Shiva, she's from the country the game's based in. She's not a zombie at all, so it's just like people looking to be outraged. I mean, it's like it's like if we go out to uh, to Mexico and we don't shoot up brown people, you know, what do you expect to fucking yeah. see, you know? And so I, lo- I, love, I love Catcom's answer to that, so they fixed it, and they put fucking like Saddam Hussein as That's a funny. couple I didn't of the bad guys. Well, they didn't put Saddam Hussein. They just put people who I think are uh, like Middle Easterners. Well, you yeah, know? It's just such silly outrage. Yeah. Like, if you make a game in the U.S. and the majority of the zombies are white, like no one's going to be outraged that you're killing white people because that's what you would expect to see. You make a game based, based in an African country, the zombies are going to be black because the majority of the people in the fictional country are going to be black because it's Africa. Yeah, so pretty much the game came out and it was... Pretty much universal a B plus game. Everybody was giving about eighties. I can tell. I can. I guess I can give it okay for the time because yeah, we were riding high off Resident Evil Four. We were we were willing to look past all the faults. But now going back at it with twenty twenty eyes, um, I don't like no. this game at all. I've tried to play it once since the remake because I always buy Resident Evil games. I bought it for the Xbox One and I played it. 20 minutes of it, I'm like, fuck this game. I'm yeah, just no, like it. I said, like, you kind of see some of the action elements that get forced into 6 starting to form here. They're trying to shift it more to be an action game than the zombie game that it is in its roots. And it's really kind of a downward trend for the series. Yeah. But, hey, this thing still sold like gang- gangbusters. It was, uh, for the PlayStation 3 version, it was the top-selling game in Japan for two weeks following its release with 319,000 copies sold. more than sold. I thought, but with how much hype there was after 4, you know, I'm not surprised to hear it sold well. 
Um, in 2009, it became the fastest selling um, game of the franchise in the UK. That's like I said, like after the hype for four, a lot of people were hyped for five. So I'm not surprised to hear it sold well, just because, especially in that time, you know, while there were online reviews and stuff like that, this was still the time where people just kind of bought games because they were excited for it, didn't wait for the reviews to come out first. So pretty much, um, all in all, all in all, uh, by uh, June 20, 2020, uh, Resident Evil 5 has sold uh, 7.7 million copies worldwide between the PS3 and the 360. That's not bad. And then another 1.8 with the uh, with uh, the re-releases. So in total, it's about 8.8 million units sold. No, no. It wasn't too bad. It really isn't. I mean, it's not a bad game. It's a disappointing Resident Evil game, but it's a good action game if you're looking for something like that. So here we go with pretty much what everybody perceives as the worst Resident Evil game. So we'll go by it real quick. Um, I can tell you it wasn't very good because I didn't even know it came out, to be honest. Yeah, Resident um, Evil 6. I had no idea this was even a game. And see that it came out in 2012 and really didn't hear anything about it. There wasn't a lot of hype around it from what I know. And honestly, I didn't know it was a game until I got my Xbox One, and that was around 2017 when I was at GameStop looking for games. And I'm like, well, let's see what they have for the 360. And I see Resident Evil 6, and I was just like, wait, what? There was a 6? And that was like five years later after the game came out? Yeah, I didn't, like... I can, it was almost a story like yours. I was looking for, I think Orta was asking me what I wanted for Christmas, and I was looking at the games, and I was like, oh, Resident Evil 6. I guess it's out. Yeah. Did not know. Yeah, and I'll then I see the review, then I see why I hadn't heard about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I played maybe about 20 minutes of it, um, and I guess there's like six different storylines. You gotta play him a certain way to get like the actual story. The only one that's worth a damn is Leon's because that throws it back a little bit to the uh, survival horror a little bit because it's a little bit scary. But other than that, it's all action and pretty much took uh, Resident Evil to the highest of the highs of tor- of terms of action wise, and in turn that was like the lowest of low in yeah. No, interest. they went all in in the action game genre for this one it really wasn't a very good game and one of the best ways i saw it described was in a video where they called it a michael bay movie as a video game ah yes that is the perfect perfect analogy yes it's just so over the top and just so ridiculous and i have no idea what they were thinking making this Leon's uh, redesign, what do you think? Um, it's not bad. It's not great either. Yeah, I wish they kind of I wish they stick 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 with uh uh RE4s, but I mean, they got to make them a little bit cooler, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Kind of get what they were going for, but you know, just the Resident Evil 4 art style was better. 
Yeah. But what you like? I mean, the graphics weren't bad. No, for the time, the graphics bad. are good, but it's just good. the gameplay, eh, story, eh. It's not a Resident Evil game. Yeah, so uh, I guess Capcom had some confidence in it. They projected the game would sell seven millions in 2012 by the end of 2012. But then they're like, uh, no, we're going. It's gonna, it's gonna sell six million. Yes, it's gonna sell six million by the end of twelve. But then, um, pretty much setting a new record low, it only shipped four point five million by the end of twenty twelve, and it was pretty much topped at that because um, by June twenty twenty, it's only sold uh, four point nine million yeah. copies. Or, I mean, 5.2 yeah, million copies. It's not copies, too bad. And, I mean, it sold them, I'm assuming, just based on name value alone. People recognize Resident Evil, they're going to buy it. But it just, just wasn't a good game. There's really not much more I can say about it in terms of that. Just very disappointing. They went way over the top for the action. Kind of, in my opinion, when I was watching stuff about it, this is before... I heard about the new RE7, the reboot of the C franchise, if you will. I just thought this is it. That's this is the end of the franchise. Like they're not going to be able to recover from this. Yeah, this is. Um, I, I compare RE6 to when um, the end of the Attitude Era and WCW in 2001. I didn't think uh, wrestling would ever be as big as it is, and. Pretty much Resident Evil got to its high, its high with RE4 and slowly came back down. Um, but in January of 2017, and that's also something that scared me too, was a release in January of January alone. In the movie industry, you release stinkers in January because you know nobody's going to go to the movies. So I was very surprised to hear that this game, Resident Evil 7, was going to be released in January. Yeah, I hadn't heard too much about Seven. You know, all I've seen about, all I saw about it leading into it were people were talking about, oh, the demo for this is so scary. You got to play it. You got to play it. You know, it's crazy. You know, I've never seen anything like this. And hearing. My dumbass, my dumbass was so hyped up for this was that, like you said, everybody was saying, play the demo, play the demo. So I fucking play. I downloaded. I because it's saying it's not Resident Evil. It's called something else. And I was like, oh. And like since I wasn't doing much research and shit, I just like I looked up sort of like the horror genre real quick. And the first thing I saw was PT. So like, oh, okay, it's this game. And I was like, why is uh, Daryl from The Walking <laughs> Dead in this? What the fuck's going on? So we are going supernatural. Fuck this game. This is scary. But then I come to realize that you played the wrong game, so I didn't play the right demo, and but didn't didn't diverge from the hype that I got from watching commercials for. Yeah, for this no, game. I've watched people play this game online on streams, YouTube videos, and like the demo, I should say. And really, I got excited for it. I still haven't played it, so I really need to get on that. No, not you yet. You haven't played RE Seven. Oh, buddy, don't play that by yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I plan on playing it like, in the daylight, all the windows open, all the blinds open, making sure there's as much light coming in as possible. I'll give you 100 bucks, and I'll let you borrow my PS4 Pro if you play it in VR. 
that might be a little too scary for me. <laughs> Dude, I saw the funniest thing. Um, somebody, somebody, I guess it was like a little kid was arguing that he wanted to play a game. So they put the VR set and they put Resident Evil 7 in there. That's really messed up. I would scar me as a little kid. <laughs> and, and one of the like the, one of the first thing that happens is like one one of the main chicks kind of like jump scares you from the basement. And um, yeah, I would have probably pooped my pants. He started crying, but it was so funny. Um, I don't want to give away too much then, since you didn't play. But to give the people an idea, this has you start out as this whole new protagonist. His name is Ethan. Um, and you're looking for your wife. She supposedly she supposedly went back home. Leads you to this uh to Louisiana in the swamp and you just crazy shit happens from there. I'll leave it at that. Um towards the end it is interwoman to kind of find out that this has something to do with Umbrella and Resident Evil and all that shit. Um, I will not say what it is because since you haven't played it, it's a huge spoiler. Um, I won't say what it is, but um, the first person experience, yes, please, because like I try, like when I first heard this game was scary, I didn't believe it. I played it with the lights off by myself. When this game came out, Orte wasn't with me. She went to Mexico to go visit her grandma, so I was by myself in the house playing this game, and I played it once, and I was like, I'm never fucking playing this game. At night, yeah, no, like I said, I I watched streams of it, and with the first person, it had the new element to the horror because when you're in third person, you know, you're not really as into it in terms of like the visuals of the game. You know, you kind of get a general view of the scenery and everything, but in first person, you know, it's your point of view, what you would be seeing if you were in the game and watching videos of it, they really put a huge element on the horror aspect of it, or a huge emphasis on the horror element of it, because that is, like you said, it is just so scary, and they really bring it back to its roots, making it a true survival horror game. Yeah, so, um, obviously, it got universal praise. Everybody was on board. Um, to this day, it has sold uh, almost 8 million copies. You know, obviously, it's probably sell more, a lot more with all the re-releases that's going to have. You know, you know for a fact that this shit's going to come out for the PS5 and, and oh yeah, one hundred percent. So it's return to form, and obviously, I think RE8 is on the horizon. Actually, um, I think so. I think it's going to be called Resident Evil Village. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and um. I've I've made it a uh, mission for me not to see anything about that game and hear anything. I want to go in that game naked. I don't want to know anything yeah. about it. I mean, I'm going to have to play 7, but I think I'm going to have to do the same thing, 2 for 8. I don't want to hear anything about it. I'm going to play 7, beat that, and then just go into 8 with a clean mind and see where they take it from, from the number 7. Yep. So, pretty much, favorite, top three. Number four is my number one. It's one of my top five games of all time, but in terms of Resident Evil games, best in the series. Number two, probably going to have to go with Resident Evil 2. Leon's my favorite character. That's where they introduce him, and it really builds upon the gameplay from the first one. 
And then probably going to have to go with number one for my third on the list just because the one that started it all and really built the foundation for the franchise. Yeah, um, mine is a little different, and probably people, our peers, are probably going to hate me. We'll talk about it real quick after it. Um, my favorite of all time will be RE4, RE7, and then the RE2 remake. Yeah, no, the, re- the remakes I haven't played either besides um, the GameCube remake. I played the RE1 GameCube remake. But besides that, I haven't played any of the newer ones. So that's my... Yeah. That was my next question. Is like, what you? What is your thoughts on the remakes? I mean, remember when? Do you remember when Ari the original yeah, remake came out? Really, it was huge, just because at the time the graphic upgrade was a big improvement. You had actual three D for it, which honestly, for the first game, makes it so much better. Yeah, and um, besides that graphical upheap. In the two and three remake, they ch- they changed the control style and it's over the shoulder, uh, running gun type of gameplay. I love it. That's the way those games should be played. I wish they make remake the first one like that. But I mean, like if you like the tank controls, that's great for you. But for me, I can't go back to those controls. So remakes, I would definitely uh, would suggest those to new people before the original. Yeah, games. no. Like I said, like the first three, they're they're products of their time. If you're gonna jump into the series, play the remakes, just because if you play the originals, you're just gonna be frustrated at the clunky controllers, the difficulty. It's just hard to adapt if you're used to modern consoles and controllers. Yeah. So, any other lasting words you want to say about this up and down of a franchise? Um... Really, in terms of game quality and consistency, it's one of the best series out there. Number six wasn't very good, and while I didn't like number five, it's not a bad game from a technical perspective. Like, it's a solid action game, just not a Resident Evil game. It's just, you know, a quality franchise. All the games have been pretty solid, if not great games. Besides number six, like I said... Um, it really revolutionized the survival horror game genre. Um, and it really doesn't get much better than this in terms of video game franchises. Yeah. Uh, well, then on that note, this has been probably our longest episode. But hey, that's what happens when we look at retrospectives in pretty much a whole series. I know that we left out a bunch of the spinoffs and all this other stuff. But to me, um, I've always always just been a main timeline kind of guy. I've never played any of the early PS2 Resident Evil games. I, I have never played Code Veronica. Um, but that was our retrospective. Yeah, no, it was great to look back on the franchise, really, especially seeing how big of a impact it really had. Because I know they were very, very big games in terms of stature and very, very important games for their generations, but I did not know they were the sales juggernauts that they were. Yeah, uh, I think uh, during my research about this, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is Capcom's either is their best-selling franchise 
or their second best-selling franchise That's really of all time. interesting to hear because, like, you know, the first thing when I think of Capcom is Street Fighter, the one that goes to first to my mind. Yeah. Anywho, anyways, guys, that was our retrospective series. If you guys have any uh, series you guys want us to look at and dive and deep dive into them, um, let us know. Hit me up on my Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Kiko Olvera, um, or on my uh, Twitter, at Kikizzle06. Yeah, and then um, I finally got my Twitter set up, so if you want to hit me up on there, it's at LO9406. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.